Welcome back to the Tuneful, Beatful, Artful Music Teacher Podcast. And I hope you are maintaining your sanity and your vocal cords during what is one of the craziest months for music teachers. So, how excited was I to start the Sister Lorna series? Apparently so excited that I completely forgot to do a Keeping It Real segment in the last episode. But I have a cool moment Uh, That happened in class last week, right before Thanksgiving break, that I thought I'd share. I know we all experience this concept at some level, with ourselves, and certainly from students. That kind of pre-break crazy, or the pre-break complete shutdown of normal learning or teaching. (laughs) Whether you're leaving for the summer, for a three-day weekend, or for a week, there's just something in the human mind that arbitrarily picks a time to say, well... I'm done here, before it's supposed to. Sometimes way before it's supposed to, am I right? It's hard in these times not to just give in completely when you know that the kids are mentally out of there before a break. But since time with them is so short, whenever I can, and I'm not going to lie, I don't always do this well, I try to keep as much learning going as possible. And on half days especially, the challenge is greater since the classes coming to music at my school will not get to do their normal flip-flop with PE. So what I really want is students walking away saying, I'm so glad we were the ones that got to have music as opposed to, oh man, we have music today and we don't get PE. Well, you may know this feeling. It is not easy. So my approach is twofold when it comes to break times. First, I try to give a clear but quick reminder of why we're in music class and what my expectations are, no matter what time of the year it is, much in the same way I do in the beginning of the year. So for example, in my class, I'll say, remember, uh, here at Fleetwood School, we're always trying to get to the top of the pyramid of musical greatness. And at the top, it says, be musical. That means that no matter if it's the day before Christmas or the day before summer, we are always aiming to be musical. That is our primary goal. Um, and then I kind of line up my expectations. And this works to redirect their minds, at least for a little while. And then my second hack is to pull out games and dances and activities they love or will learn to love, which for me is almost a no-fail way to make sure that they are definitely being musical and not lamenting the fact that they are missing gym class. So as I mentioned, right before this past Thanksgiving break, I had pretty good success with this. I presented some new folk dances as well as um, some favorite conversational solfege games for the big kids or first steps in music songs and movement activities in my lessons and I was rewarded with lots of comments about how much fun they were having and I'm gonna call that a win and now my next goal is to make it to winter break in the same manner or at least try my best I have no doubt there will be a time when I just kind of shut down but I'm gonna work against doing that too early may the odds ever be in our favor, or at least not completely against us. Now, we get to hear part two of the conversation I had with Sister Lorna Zemke, and I know you're waiting to hear how things turned out when last we spoke. So let's jump right back into the story to see if those army soldiers allowed Sister Lorna to board the plane from Ukraine to Budapest, or if they left her 
hanging on the tarmac. You'll disappear, she used the word. You will disappear inside the Soviet Union. No one will ever hear of you again. This is, I'm telling the truth. Oh. So, so I gave her all the information. Her English was excellent. She was one of the few Hungarians that had good English. But anyway, so I gave her all the information and where, and, and where I had been, who I really was, you know, and so forth. And so she said, you better go last because you will not be boarding that plane. So we got out there on the tarmac, and all we had was our passports. We had to leave our luggage on the plane when we got off. And there were two Russian soldiers with rifles, and they had bayonets in the, in the rifle. And so they would go like this for each person, check the passport, then let them on. So they saw my passport. They went like this. And I tried to pass. They said, Nam, not known yet, yet, yet. And I kept saying, Budapesten, musica, because I didn't know any Russian. I didn't know how to say it in Hungarian. I said, musica, Franz Liszt, Academia, they'd say, nyet, nyet, and constantly like, the, like this. In the meanwhile, everybody was seated, and we were looking out of the windows, and the, the thing going up to the plane was just a piece of wood, like a two-by-four that was, you cranked. And the stewardess was standing there. The Russian, there was an older man and a young guy. The young guy was in his 20s. The older guy must have been in his 50s, 60s. He motioned to the pilot to start the, pro the propeller. Oh, my Lord. I was still on the ground. And he kept saying, yet, yet. To this day, Missy, when I think of this experience, I pray for this young soldier. Because all of a sudden, he looked at the older man, and he was going like this. Now, I didn't know what he was saying, but the tone of his voice, he went, oh, no, no, no. What's the big deal? Yeah, what's the big deal? Yeah, you know, that was that, that tone right. of voice. And finally, the old guy said, go. <gasps> And the stewardess was was doing the cranking, so they, and the pilot was going. He was the plane was moving while I was still walking Sister up. Lorna, this is crazy. While I was still walking up the plank, <laughs> he, he was going slowly because he could see I was still trying. I got and the stewardess grabbed me and I fell down and all the Hungarians began to clap and the stewardess said, "You have no idea how lucky you are." Um, the Lord was with me. Absolutely. Said, it was I mean, something. It was something I was supposed to do. I was yes. supposed to do that. And you were supposed to come back yeah. here, so you didn't... What Do you remember how you felt standing there, watching that exchange before the kid said, eh. Before. No, you know, I, I thought I was going to die. Like, what was happening to people? Were they... They weren't executing... It was I, just like you just disappeared. No, they, 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 All they said was, you will disappear. Because you're an American, you've seen too much. Right. Just because the airplane caught on fire. Mm -hmm. I mean, that must have been terrifying. But That then, was terrifying. But then again, you got on the plane. Got on the plane. I mean, it just seems like, what a six-month period of time in your life. That is incredible. Can I say something? Uh, you can say anything. I can, is, I, are we still being taped? Yes. Well, maybe it's okay if I say it. I think it is. I'm going to um, guess. Uh, when I came back, well, first of all, I saw how people were treated and how they suffered. And, of course, when I went places, I was treated like a Hungarian until I spoke. Of course, if I mm -hmm. spoke, then they knew that I was, you know. So when I was over there, um, uh, not everybody had a bed to sleep mm -hmm. in. And so um, 
they had taken a couch, the family I lived with, and they had put three different cushions together so that I would be able to sleep up on a, okay? When I came back, it would, it would upset me if I heard somebody complaining, oh, I don't like this food or right. my mattress is my hard. My hard mattress. I went to the head of our community. I said, sister, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to stay in the community. I'm going crazy because my friends are suffering. Real suffering. Suffering over in Hungary. Not, mm -hmm. just, not just my family. They had a little better than some others, but I had been in other places with the Hungarians, and I saw. I said, I just... And she, and she was a wise woman. She said, Lorna, give yourself a month. She said, you're having a re-entry problem. Sure. So at the end of a month, I was complaining like everybody else. <laughs> and the sad part is you were like, man, this pillow needs to be But fluffier. at first it bothered me. So I felt yeah. it was like almost like a conversion experience, yes. at knowing what is really, really important. Yeah, I mean, that's they were, what travel these, does. These people were beautiful, beautiful people, good Christian people. Yeah. And, you know, I want to say this, the Hungarians are beautiful people. Mm. No one can ever tell me anything different. Mm. It's incredible. Just fantastic, yeah. When I came back, I knew that my job now was to help build the music department. It was... It was was already a good department, but they were looking for me to to do things. And of course, so I started a Kodai major at the undergrad level. Right. So they were expecting me to do something that was, you know, new. New, yeah. So I started. Then we then we went got had a Kodai certificate. Uh, I started that already. I mean, we already had one in seventy three. I think I was here in seventy two, and then I began working on on. Um, program to get a, the master's approved by North Central. Mm -hmm. And so that was one of the first in the country. Right. There were a couple others. There were and that's what uh, John... John was, was part... John he Byron. was our first graduate student. John was our first student. And who was it that... Was it... Who recommended him to you? Do you remember? Katinka. Name? I was just going to say, I didn't know if it was Katinka he, he or... He saw Katinka. Katinka teach at Interlaken. Yes. And he said, I'd like to know more about this. And she said, you go to Sister Lorna in mm -hmm. Wisconsin. And so he and Lily came and... And the uh, rest is history. Yeah. And so, and he taught part-time at University of Wisconsin, Green Bay. Mm -hmm. And well, of course, I saw his potential, so I was tough on him. I was hard on him. Lily mentioned it this morning again, that she would retype his papers, because when he'd do it, I'd say, nope. I, John, you have to do this over. Not because of the <laughs> typing, but... I, Right. So, this is missing. This is you no. Know. Because she said to me, I type over type more of his papers in there <laughs> <laughs> than anywhere. So, what do you think about uh, Kodai in America, as as it was and as it stands now? I I I, I must tell you, I'm very leery to make judgments because life moves on, and. Life happens, and so things are going to change. Sure. Okay? But I've seen, so I've seen all kinds of programs. I bet. <laughs> some that I, that, are, that I feel are really perking and some that are probably not. But that's going to happen with anything. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know. Well, what, let me ask this. Then. When you see a program, I mean, not, I'm not speaking of any specific program. No. But just uh -huh. when you see a program that's 
thriving? Mm -hmm. What do you think is the thing that keeps them going that has to do with Kodai? Well, I think they, first of all, they have to believe in the philosophy. Every kid is entitled to be musically literate and to know something about music. So if you start with that as your basis, then you put in place principles how you're going to achieve that. And so I'll tell you what, one of my concerns is, though, that sometimes people lose sight of the philosophy and the fact that folk music should be used and the, you know, the things that Kodai really said, not the technique, not whether they're Taz or Tees or whatever right. they are. Right. No, but are they following what is the basic philosophy? And out of that will come your systematic approach as to how to bring the kids to that. And a lot of that is through what, it, what your personality is. Sure. You, you cannot know erase. You know that. Yeah, personality. But what do, you, what do you think is the distinctive? Like, so if you looked at a program and thought, now, you know, the manifestation of the details is a little bit different in this program, but here's the common denominator. Common denominator is that they, they believe that every kid can be musically literate, and can appreciate music, that the best way to learn music, first of all, is through singing. I myself heard Kodai say, by the way, I met Kodai, uh, at, he was at Stanford University, and I got to sit with him for a concert of his music. So at, during one of his lectures, he said, he turned to somebody, in, or just in the, I, if, I don't remember if we were walking around or whatever, or if he was just standing there, I don't remember the detail. But he looked at me and said, how did you learn music? What, what do you play clarinet? How did, did you, how did you learn? Did you start on the clarinet? Yeah. How did you learn music? Cello. He said, how did everybody learn music? What instrument does everybody have? Mm -hmm. The voice. He said, singing has to be the first. So to answer you your go. question, do we have singing? Singing has to be the basis. So that's, so now I would that's... say that's the fun, fundamental principle. Yeah. So the After you believe that every child has right. a right to music. How are we going to do it? How are we going to do yeah, it? We're going to get right. them singing. Right, right. So those, those are the things. So you don't have any, you know, you think that it's, do you think that the Kodai approach is flourishing in America or? In some places. Sure. I do know this, that it's used on every continent except Antarctica because we haven't taught the ducks yet <laughs> or the penguins. <laughs> <laughs> But that I do, that's been verified. That is oh. being used, not by me, sure. but it's been verified. It's being used on every continent, right. the six continents except Antarctica now. <laughs> it's too cold. Nobody <laughs> has any time to be singing. They're just... There's nobody there long enough right, to... Right, exactly. <laughs> nobody can stay long enough to like... But I mean, I think that speaks for itself. Sure. I can tell you this, though, that the chapters of the national organization... There are more in the Midwest than any. We have 14 or 15. Did you know that? I did not the know The others that. only have one or two. Why do you think that is? I think because they're enamored with this. What the, sure. what they, they've seen it. They've seen people use it, and they've right. heard the kids. So there must be places where they say, yes, yeah. this is. Is California still a big stronghold? I don't for know. It? I, I think they only have two or three chapters. But yeah, mm -hmm. it is a stronghold, though. Yeah. yeah because because they, it seems they, like there was a lot going on. Because the universities have grabbed onto it. Mm -hmm. Yes. Not mm -hmm. all the colleges here have. Really? No. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I wonder why that is. I don't know. They probably just don't know enough about it to know if they are interested or not. I don't mm -hmm. know. Okay. If yeah, I go may, ahead. Let me just ask you a couple of questions from sure. our listeners. Um, 
Carolyn Sharp asked, uh, I'd like to hear about your Love Notes prenatal program. Sure. How you researched it and came up with How come I came up with it? Okay, well, you're going to be surprised. I came up with it because of something Kodai said. Hey, there's that guy again. In 1966, he said, I used to say that babies, children, should have music nine months before they're born. Mm -hmm. Now I say children should have music nine months before the birth of their mother. <laughs> and I thought about that. And, of course, the other part was that, and I'm just going to say where I'm coming from, I'm pro-life. Sure. And I was trying to find things to build family through right. music. Right. That's, what, that's really what got me going. So I began to begin, I began to read things about prenatal and um, began to come up with some ideas that uh, we not only need singing, we need touch, we need moving, we need so. So then I just came up with a curriculum of listening, of moving, of touching, of singing, okay, of quiet. And that's what, that's what love, in fact, I'd be happy to give you a copy before you go today. As a, give you a gift of a copy. Oh, so I have five lesson plans that I, that I came up with that could be taught during pregnancy. And they have been very meaningful for people. Absolutely. And it's being used in, it's been republished in Korean. They're using it in Korea now also. And, um, and I know that England has picked it up. I don't, I don't know if they're using it, but I'm, we've, we've sold some sure. from there. So, so I know there is something, and I've talked at doctor's conventions and nursing conventions. Wonderful. And no one has left me out of the room. <laughs> I can't imagine they, they, they say, Sister, you're, you're, there's something you're, you're touching on to it. it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's something. back to what we were talking about. Every human is inherently right. musical. And fantastic. I've been in a couple births. So wow. I've used music while the baby was being born and, and, Look at you. and saw what happened afterwards with the parents, the interplay of the parents, some things that you stand there and cry. It was so beautiful. The doctor was crying. Oh, the doctor cried. Bonding. She said every birth should be this way. And they choose the music they're going to be playing while the baby's being birthed and the husband and wife sing while the baby's being born. Oh, my word. And I've seen some things that are absolutely incredible, like uh, one worth birth I'm thinking of. The father was, when they brought the baby to the warming bed and the pediatrician was checking out the baby, the father says to me, what should I do? I said, sing. Yes. Sing one of the songs from class. I'll tell you a little bit about that, too. That child was four minutes old, and the baby was going like this, looking for the sound. Yes, and yeah. head turn preference. And the father just started to cry. And the most beautiful thing, he hadn't touched his wife yet at this point. He took the baby over to the wife. He kissed her. They didn't say a word. They looked at each other, and they sang the lullaby that they had chosen as their primary lullaby. Oh, my word. And this child was going like this, looking from face to face. Wow. What an entrance into the world. It was Kodai's quote that... That finally, I had been thinking about what can I do for the family with music. And then when I heard him say that in 1966, I thought, that's it. That's wow. telling me that he believes that this is something that should go on constantly. So this is something that people could order? Oh, yeah, I have a book. Okay. I have a manual. That's wonderful. And I, Let me go get it while we're talking. It's right next door here. Very easy to find. 
followed. Thank and then you. I have an interview in the front as to how I, why I did this. And, Thank you. And uh, here's the Korean edition. I just wanted to show you. <gasps> oh, that. I'm going to take a picture of those. <laughs> I have a lot of Korean friends. And the fun part about this is, oh, I said, I said, because uh, they translated, and I said to the publisher, uh, I said, is that what I said? He said, you'll never know, will you? <laughs> I was just going to say, how would you ever know? <laughs> it's like, have you heard the stories about the people who get um, tattoos? And like, no. in, like in an Asian language, like in Japanese or Chinese, yeah. and it doesn't say what they thought? Oh, mm -hmm. oh, wow. And you're walking like, around that's like That's what you get. <laughs> It's like not doing your folk song research. No, I can't have you keep the no, Korean one. No, I know, one, no, I know. But you can keep the other one. Thank you. Yes, keep the keep the English one. Well, I am just going take to a look once, and you'll see. Just yes. look at look at some of the activities. Now you're going to enjoy this. I'm on a committee for people with dementia using music with dementia. Right. I, I'm going into that now too with downtown. They have a, a dementia unit anyway. But to make a long story short, the lady was out here. Uh, get trying to get ideas or see what I thought and she, and we talked about the exercises and I said what do you think she said because most of those people returned to their childhood she said we could actually use yes some the of these actual, exercises yes. with people that have dementia just look at one lesson I just want you to see what the activities are that's all this is the interview yes, I'm, of course, I'm and suggestions okay, for using this, this, here now oh, okay. now take a look so i start so with this. a relaxation activity wonderful and then i give suggestions oh, and they're listening to a piece of music and breathing okay and then you can see the next so i have a and then a firm tactile activity mm -hmm. oh wait and this is in utero yeah, yeah, oh, absolutely. I forgot. I keep thinking that. So it's the women are touching right. their own belt. Oh, and then these are the, the, just take a look and you'll see what I mean by tactile. Yes, so you're doing. Um, so I sing a folk song right. with words. This is you're the doing way we run and work. Yeah. <laughs> In utero. And then you move to singing activities. Um, they don't have to use a megaphone, but yes. with my, my group I did. Yes. Yeah. But take a look at the words because I wanted to tell you something about that. Some of these words came from the parents. I tell them to make up tunes for their babies right. and to use some of the same tunes. So some of right. those I took from, from the... You who baby, where are you? Oh. That one I made up, but somebody else made up this one. The love my the baby? Top one. Oh, no. The top one. Yeah. The, the you who baby, where are you? Mommy loves you. Yes, she does. Or daddy oh. loves you. <laughs> then we have daddy sing too, of course. Right. Yeah. Dad's in the class also. That's perfect. Then you can see what I do then. Then skip to my Lou. With? With words. With, oh, mama loves you. Oh, I see. Oh. See, I change the words. To make mostly as many bonding words as... Sure. as Which is what Because you want them to bond with the baby. instruments. Sing kazoos. Kazoos, hot cross bonds. I do that so that the for the, uh, the vibrations... Yes, I was just going to say. Babies are not hearing... Oh, I shouldn't even get started on this. 24 but they, weeks. But they don't hear... Melody, the way we think they hear melody, they, they hear vibrations. Mm -hmm. And then playing, place the xylophone. Yeah, uh -huh. we put them on the, we put the, we put the chimes right, right on right. the. Wow, that must be cool in mm -hmm. utero. I've heard some in utero recordings that are amazing. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then sing and play the xylophone, hop old squirrel. Oh, I know that one. And that's the regular words. Had a little rooster. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I like that uh, you're using a rattle and you're working on the macro and micro beats. <laughs> yep, that's it. right. <laughs> Movement activity. 
Oh, listening to a great piece of music. So, so yes. spring. Yeah, we always seasons, do something at that. Yeah. And then so that's more the, singing. It's a, I love how it. So each the, lesson has that type and of. And over how long? I mean, this is just like in one sitting and one uh, for the parent? Each lesson is in one sitting. Okay. So I keep them like for 45 minutes. Okay. And I have um, cushions. So at points, I have the women lying on the floor. Missy, I've seen some things that are spectacular. I was playing a Bach number. I can't think if it was a minuet or no, it wasn't a minuet. It was a Bach march or something. Anyway, and the women were lying down, and I have the women go like this. They t they tap right. the beat, and then I then I have them stop. And all of a sudden, one woman said, "Sister Lorna, look at this. Now babies keep the beat like this." Right. Here, this is what was happening. That's well, higher intelligence. Yes. Higher intelligence. That's higher intelligence. Wow. That's not a primal beat. Right. That's a higher. Yeah. And here I can see the perforations. Yeah, on the belly. That nobody even knows how incredible that is. That shouldn't happen. Oh, that's more research. It's just. I hope everybody listening is writing down research. So ideas. I have I have uh, seen some things, and of course at point one point I have the fathers put their mouths right on the woman's stomach and sing to the baby. That's perfect. And many times the baby pushes out on the dad's yeah. lips. Yeah. So my plan. whole goal is bonding, using music for bonding, tighten up the family unit, but also exposing them to the beauty of music. Yes, in utero, so powerful. Yeah. I almost want to give you a high five, but I'm not going to. No. Because you're a nun and I'm just a regular person. Oh, well, we could do a high five. <laughs> I didn't know if nuns do that. I'm not really. Oh, here. heavens, we, we go like we do the bump too. This bump? Oh, <laughs> Um, well, I'm going to end with one question. Sure. Um, and I'm hoping that one day I can come back again and we can talk about some other stuff. Whatever. If you would allow me to. I do don't that. know if there's any more to talk about, but anyway. I'm going to guess there is. <laughs> uh, and then we can also talk about how our folk experiences went, like okay. the one I'm definitely going to do. All right, good. Um, Carrie Rowe said, how do you keep your energy and passion after all these years and... Let's add, let's end with that one. I'm going to save a couple for the next time. How do you keep your energy and passion? I think when you believe in something, really believe in it, you're passionate about it. And so I just, my whole goal for being also religious, I want to help people be the best they can be in all ways, yep. physically, emotionally, spiritually, you know, whatever. Right. And so uh, my motivation is I want to serve people. Well, and the word service, we, we talk a lot in our religious life about that we're here there to help others. That's really the only reason all of us are alive, actually. We are supposed to be helping others and making a better world. So the idea of how can I serve? And so I'm thinking, how can I serve? <laughs> you know, what, can I, what else can I do sure. to serve? So that energizes me to try to be creative and to think what else could I do or what could I do better to help people. Yeah, I love, I love that idea. And I think it's very evident that you're passionate about it and that you have a calling, you know, and I believe that you know, God uh, gives gifts to us and those gifts, as I tell my daughter, the harpist, who is also deals with stage fright, you know, he doesn't yes. give you a gift yeah. to hold in your bag. You know, the gift is 
um, through you to everyone mm -hmm. around you. So I am, this is a ridiculous understatement, but very grateful for um, what God is doing in you and through you, you know, because of you, Dr. Feyerabend, Lily Feyerabend, and now, this is no exaggeration, it is literal, thousands and thousands and thousands exactly. of teachers and children exactly. and families are changed. And that's true of every teacher listening. And here we to go this. back to this idea again. Sometimes pe people say, I'm just one person. Mm -hmm. But look what John has done. Look uh, what one person has done. Absolutely. Look what each of you are doing yeah. because you're called to the same thing. Mm -hmm. I know it and I believe it. And I mean, when you're called to do something, you don't have to worry about um, the soldiers not letting you on the plane. <laughs> if you're supposed to get on the plane, you're going to get on the plane. The Lord takes care. Absolutely. And I'm very thankful to him for that because that's how I try to live. It doesn't always work. But, you know, if I'm supposed to be doing something, that's right. he'll make a way. That's right. There'll be a way. Yeah. And so I am, mm -hmm. you know, I had, had heard about you for years, but never got really to meet you before. So to me, you were just kind of in the Katinka Danielle, Patty Forai, <laughs> you know, this like group of legendary people. And you are a legendary person. Um, well, when you get old enough. Yeah. Just exactly. by age, you get yes. legendary. I was, I was going to ask that. You know, I'm, I'm getting there because, like, uh, yesterday somebody offered to give me the, their seat on the bus. So I'm like, okay. <laughs> Apparently I'm, like, 92 years old now. <laughs> like, ma'am, would you like this seat? And I'm like, you know, just from being older, we start to get this yeah, kind sure, of sure. thing. But it's an honor, um, and it's just fun to talk to you. Well, and I say it back at you. Yeah. It's an honor to meet you. <laughs> And I know God is blessing what you're doing through this organization, yes. Missy. Yeah. So that openness, he will use you and this organization and all the people in it yeah. to do his work. So each one of us has a role in life, regardless, regardless what our backgrounds yeah. are right. or what our beliefs are. We all have a role in life. Yeah. And we just need to measure up to that, whatever that is. <laughs> do our best every day. And, you know, I'm just going to end this. Sister Lauren, on the most important thing. The most important thing is nun hammers. <laughs> I know everybody is like, teach the children, bond, include. The nun hammers. The nun hammers. They're waiting for you, probably. I, I want to just tell everyone, because I know not everybody knows what they are. <laughs> but I just want to say how this happened. I was watching Connie Greenwood teach. Okay. Who I call the queen of babies. Okay. She is a phenomenon. She pulled out this thing, <laughs> and she gave it to the children, and they were hitting the ground and each other, and I was like, what is this magical thing? I must have that. And then I was like, oh, you can't, you can't. It's hard to get the, you have to go to Wisconsin. The nuns are making them. Sister Lorna designed it. So that's about, I don't know. Five years ago. Oh my gosh. Ago. So, and I don't know, I think I wrote this too, but this is hilarious. When I became the president of fame this past, mm -hmm. uh, whenever, July, uh, Betsy Green, our past president and my friend, I'm not kidding you. She, there was a package. <laughs> I thought, oh, it's going to be like a mug uh -huh. or a bowl sure, or something. Sure, sure. I, 
what is wrong with me? I opened that package, Sister Lorna. There was a nun hammer. <laughs> and she had sewn onto it the fame logo. Oh, how like precious. That is precious. I am not kidding you. <laughs> I was so delighted. I felt like I was four when I saw Santa Claus. <laughs> I just was hitting that thing. And I was like, it's like the hammer of Thor. I just had it. So... After we're done recording this, I'm going to see Sister Linda. Good. Excellent. New friend. Excellent. Uh, and Sister Linda, I know it's going to seem like I'm only befriending you to get more nun hammers. And I am. <laughs> but I'm sure you are lovely also. <laughs> so we're going to go there. But what a joy it is to be here with you, Sister Lorna. Well, My thank first you. time. And... Well, it's a joy to meet you too, Missy. Oh, thank you. You know, and we're all after the same thing. Yep. So there, there's a bonding that takes place because we are all yep. four children. Yep. And yep. making society better, yeah. making their lives better, making everybody yeah. feel better. Yeah. And I think when I meet, a, a, no pun intended, a sister spirit uh, who uh -huh. I get the sense is after these same things, it's a real blessing and a joy. And for me too. Yeah. So, God bless you too. <laughs> uh, let's, let's end this and okay. talk about, hopefully, Lord willing, another time getting okay. together. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Um, maybe... Let's meet in a warmer place next time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know what I'm... I was born in the wrong climate. I don't, I, I don't know because I don't know how you I was born just here. an hour from here. <laughs> Not an hour north, I hope. Uh, no, in the middle of the state. More to the middle. It is. I, like I said, I'm... The Fox Valley. I am a Floridian by birth. Uh -huh. um, and I, I am now able, thankfully, to travel, you know, to teach. And I am... Going to Thailand. Oh, how wonderful. Be, and it's like going to be warm and wonderful. But so, is that ever fantastic? Yeah, I was. I have been um, in Dubai and Abu Dhabi. That's incredible. Yeah, I. it's what God has done. Is, well, congratulations. Thank, oh, no, it's because of Dr. No, Fire, but that be. is fantastic. Oh, it, well, it's a fantastic approach. So I get to go teach people about it. And uh, But I do love warm weather. I like fall. Fall's okay, but when I got out of the hotel this morning saw in the Wisconsin, trees and I was like, it is 32 degrees or whatever it was. Yeah. It's only October, so take it easy, Wisconsin. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to go get some nun hammers and some okay. cheese curds. So she's expecting you. I, I think I'm supposed to go over there, but anyway, yeah. let's end the podcast. Okay. Thank you. A pleasure. You're welcome, and thank you. Thank you for asking. You're welcome. Thank you. Sister Lorna is something else. She is a boss. And I feel really thankful, as I said many times, to be able to sit down and talk with her. And I hope it was an inspiration and encouragement to you as well. In the next episode, you're going to hear the conversation that took place when I asked Sister Lorna her thoughts on the important and growing discussion of what repertoire is appropriate in the modern elementary music classroom. I really hope you'll join us for that one. It was interesting for sure. For our Ask Me Anything segment, I turned to a question that I got from Beth Miller, who wrote it on our Tuneful Beatful Artful Music Teacher Facebook page. She said, I would love to know how one goes about introducing folk dance. I've only done it sporadically, and usually with third through fifth graders, if at all. What is the process you use for introducing it? I assume there are many different ways people go about it. Are there best practices to get going? Any non-negotiables? Great question, Beth. 
and I could go on and on about it, especially in light of the fact that I've done webinars, workshops, conference sessions, and even full grad courses on this topic. As a matter of fact, I'm doing a grad class on movement and folk dancing this summer at Central Connecticut State University in July if you're bored and looking for something to do. And now that Beth has written this question, I've decided that I'm going to do at least one podcast episode about it as well. But for now, I'll just say a couple important things. First, make sure that your kids are tuneful, beatful, and artful before you really start teaching folk dance. I know this sounds incredibly broad, but honestly, the difference between starting to folk dance more formally with kids who are truly musical versus kids who are lagging behind in their musical development can make or break everyone's experience. For example, one of my own big non-starters or non-negotiables is my students' ability to understand and truly respond appropriately to ready counts. If they're not musical, this becomes a hot mess. If they are, it's honestly pretty easy for them to understand the concept that even when I'm teaching something brand new, they have to wait until I or whoever the leader is establishes the group's common steady beat by use of ready counts. It sounds kind of silly, but once you see it in action, it's such a great feeling to know you don't have to tell them every time they start dancing, oh, don't go yet, wait for me. They know automatically that they have to wait for the leader to establish that beat. This is why I wait to introduce the first long ways sets until my kids are in second grade. Like I said earlier, I'm going to do at least one full episode on this, so I don't want to get into too much more here. But I will say that starting with a mixer like Sasha or easy long way sets like Chimes of Dunkirk or Alabama Gal, all of which are in the book Alabama Gal from GIA Publications, and I'll share that on the episode page, are a wonderful and really fun way to bring folk dancing to your tuneful, beatful, artful students. I hope you go for it a little bit more than you've done in the past and stay tuned for upcoming podcasts about it. As always, if anyone out there has a question you'd like to ask, I will do my best to try to answer it. So please send it to me at tunefulbeatfulartfulpodcast at gmail.com. The podcast is generously supported by the Feyerabend Association for Music Education. Come on, are you a member yet? If not, why not? It's not that expensive. Okay, I know it's easy for me to say, but compared to other memberships, and our benefits keep growing. We have lots of new movits, lots of great stuff. If you want to check out membership, head over to firerobinmusic.org for more info. If you want to find out more about Dr. Firerobin and his programs and resources, visit giamusic.com slash firerobin and our Firerobin Fundamentals page on Facebook, where our community is almost at 10,500 teachers talking every day about what it means to teach music. Also, if you haven't done so already, we'd love for you to subscribe to the podcast. And would you give us a positive review wherever you listen? Thank you, as always, for hanging out with me. I hope it was encouraging. I hope that Sister Lorna provoked you to think and to be a better practitioner. And remember to keep doing all you can to create a more tuneful, beatful, artful world. <laughs>